The Fake Show is brought to you by Threads of Envy, the law firm of Hutchison and Stefan, the Craft House Brewery, the Tone Factory Recording Studio, Moonshot.com T-shirt designs, and by Mr. Antenna. Now your host, Jim Tofty. The band ABC is enjoying four decades of accolades, album sales of 20 million, and sold out worldwide tours. They were one of the top groups to come along as part of the so-called second British invasion and kickstart the sound of the 80s. Lead singer Martin Fry joins me now from beautiful Barbados to discuss the history and future of the band. Thanks so much for joining me today. How are, th- how are things in Barbados? Yeah, really nice. Been in the sea already. Um, over by Mullins Beach near Gibbs Beach. Uh, the sun is shining and the fish are flying in the sea. Uh, I've been out there swimming with the turtles, yeah. Oh, just beautiful. beautiful. Well, you know, for you, does time pass as quickly for you as it does for me when I think of the fact that your breakthrough album, Lexicon of Love, is celebrating its 40th anniversary? It's outrageous. I never thought 40 years had gone by. Yeah, I mean, it feels good to be on stage in 2022, performing Poison Arrow and The Look of Love, yeah. All My Heart songs from the Lexicon of Love, but the album actually came out in 1982, so yeah, somebody pointed out to me that it's been 40 years, so that is worth celebrating, yeah. Yeah, and you do, because with anniversaries come tours, right, especially now that we're in sort of a post-pandemic mode? Yeah, post-pandemic, anniversaries are massive, aren't they, birthdays, (laughs) anniversaries, especially the music scene, so I'm looking forward to celebrating the 41st anniversary next year, but uh it is kind of nice. There's so many acts out there ready to champ it at the bit, ready to play live. It's been fantastic um, getting back out on the road. We did a couple of big festivals last August, and I remember it was just sort of mind-blowing to be able to get out in the UK again. This year, we played a big orchestral tour with the South Bank Symphonia and uh, with Ann Dudley conducting. That went really well. And then we played about 20 shows in America. So we're with the band and we really had a great time so we're just putting something together for next year oh great like everybody else happy to be out out. there's for the live music scene the gigs have been phenomenal and people having a really good time getting out and about to understand where you came from you were going when you were younger you were going to university in the 70s and editing a, a music fanzine which by the way i love the title modern drugs and at the time yeah. you you were meeting a lot of music people including your future bandmates yes yeah in sheffield uh industrial steel city in the north of england massive music scene there yeah uh, not much else to do so I was interviewing all the uh, Def Leppard from Sheffield and uh, Human League and a whole bunch of bands. But I mean, I went to interview a band called Vice Versa and they they sort of sensed I was enthusiastic about music. And they kind of invited me along and let me kind of join them that night on stage and I've never looked back. Yeah, it's been great ever since. Um, Lexicon was, was such an ambitious, bold statement at the time because we were really coming out of the punk era of music and... You guys came along with this polished, yeah. upbeat vision that was that was really great for its time. Well, with the looks, another we wanted to do something entirely different to all the other acts, all the other bands. I mean, I love the Sex Pistols and the Clash, Susie and the Banshees, yeah, Greek Sex, Subway Sex. Used to go and see all the punk bands, Buzzcocks. Used to go and see all the punk bands, and um, I was a kind of little bit younger, and I kind of would think, well, there's no point in me trying to become a punk band. Uh, you know, it's a question of 
Really yeah, and you, one of the things you were able to do was hook up and connect yourselves with this great producer, Trevor Horn, who had been with the Buggles and, and did Video Killed the Radio Star. How did you sell him on what you were interested in doing? Well, Trevor Horn, we'd heard, uh, I love the Buggles, but I'd heard uh, Handheld in Black and White, this, this dollar, uh, a group called Dollar that he produced and made them sound incredible. Yeah. Uh, the records just sounded like really polished and high high tech and high 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 definition. And uh, we approached him, and he seemed to kind of understand exactly where we were at. We were kind of do, trying to do something very ambitious with strings and kind of drawing in a lot of different influences, very glamorous in a way, uh, sort of Hollywood style. But um, he got it straight away, you know, in the meetings when we were playing the demos to him. And then we set about recording Poison Arrow and Look of Love and... Um, it worked really well, you know. Trevor, Trevor had uh, introduced us to Anne Dudley, uh, who was a young keyboard player who who said she could she would do some string arrangements. So the kind of the experience was great, yeah. But it was all brand new. I think it was the first album Trevor had produced. Uh, later, obviously, produced uh, well, Yes and uh, Frankie Goes to Hollywood and Grace Jones and all these other great acts that are Seal. But um, but then it was kind of new for everybody, I think, really. Yeah, Trevor was moving away from being an artist himself to being a producer. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I mean, recently um, we went to Kakoa Beach and we climbed aboard this big ship and we were playing two shows on the ship. There's about four thousand people there, and Trevor was playing bass with uh, Dire Straits Legacy. Wow. Just like to play bass. So we hung out. Yeah, it was really nice to see him again. Yeah, we stayed friends for years. But no, when it came to recording the Lexicon of Love 2, I'd already, it was already kind of in motion, really. Yeah, we'd virtually finished it. He was around, but it would be nice to work with him again sometime. I love how you described one time what you were planning on doing or what you were doing, that it's the worlds of chic and earth, wind and fire with a cure and joy division, black music with white music. I think that's just brilliant. Yeah, I mean, that's very much what we were obsessed with. And uh, we'd go and hear a lot of music in the clubs. But yeah, Joy Division, I mean, when Ian Curtis died, that was a real shock. You know, we were massive yeah. Joy Division fans. And the Cure, that sort of edgy English sort of sound and, and those postmodern lyrics, mixing that up with beats and um, bass lines. And that, that was definitely kind of where we were trying to what we were trying to pull off back then, yeah. I mean, in a funny kind of way, MTV made that happen years later, didn't it? You know, those sort of strict differences between sort of R&B and pop aren't really there anymore now. And hip-hop, it's just all music. But back then, it was very much uh, different camps, you know, disco and uh, rock and roll. So, yeah, we were definitely about sort of smashing down that, that wall between those two sort of sets of music. And you seem to be paying as much attention to producing the videos. MTV must have been very important to you guys with everything you were trying to do. Well, I don't know what it was, but the climate in London and Sheffield was like, there's the Human League down the road, they look pretty charismatic, or you'd run into the guys from Duran Duran or Depeche Mode. All these English bands had their own look. You know, they were very much... Uh, influenced, I suppose, by Bowie, you know, who'd, who'd laid down the ground rules 10 yeah. years before. So it just felt right to want to, you know, your single came out and you wanted to make a clip so you could get on TV. And that was a natural thing for us. But then when I got to America, I realized uh, MTV was like a cable channel, I think, in certain areas of New York. And I met the guys then. 
and handed over a couple of our films and they kind of liked it. You know, there was a whole, not the second British invasion, but there was a lot of acts doing the same thing from soft cell to the pretenders to the police. Right. You know, everybody was kind of interested in that side of it, presenting themselves in their own way. So we were definitely kind of there at the vanguard of that too, I guess. And it, then MTV just grew. Week by week, it kind of grew into the corporation, a, a nationwide a nationwide thing. So that was an incredible thing for us, yeah, to suddenly have that outlet. Martin yeah. Fry and ABC, uh, it's the 40th anniversary of the Lexicon of Love, and you can find out anything you want to about the band and future dates and all that stuff at abcmartinfry.com. Yeah. Boy, we look forward to seeing you back here in the States, hopefully in the next year or so. It's great talking to you, Martin. Nice one, Jim. All the best. All right. Cheers. They had such a cool sound. ABC's album Lexicon of Love, of course, crashed straight into the UK album charts at number one. It made a big splash here in America as well. Maybe they'll pull into your town sometime soon. That finishes this episode of the Fake Show Podcast. I'm Jim Tofty. Thanks for stopping by. I'll see you next time. Listen to The Fake Show anywhere on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and thefakeshow.com. If I were to say to you-